You, you know, if you're um, um, a guest this morning, you're not normally part of this church, I, I want to just kind of, not apologise, but just explain that this is going to feel a little bit in-house this morning, which is not what we're about at all, okay? Whenever you come here, we're all about the new person coming. But this is going to feel a little bit in-house, so I do apologise for that in one sense, but hopefully you'll get something out of it as well. I've um, been at the church now on staff for coming up 26 years. I know it doesn't, I don't look old enough, do I? Okay, I do. I really do. Okay. Um, and one of the things I'm really grateful for is, is, is my amazing wife, who is very releasing of me, and also the incredible leadership team I've got here at the church, who recognise that being in the same church and leading for a long time means that at times you need to get out of your church environment and you need to experience other things so that you can come back refreshed and renewed. And they recognise that, and so they release me from time to time to go do that. And because I've just come back from one of those times, two and a half weeks in America, I, th- I really want to share with you what I did and what I experienced and what I felt and feel that God is saying to us as a church community, okay? I really hope this doesn't come over like Leon showing you his holiday photographs, okay? I really hope that's not, because that's not my heart and that's not my intention at all. And in fact, most of the fun ones you're not going to see anyway, all right? So, but I want to just kind of feed back to you about my time away. So it's a little bit different uh, from our normal Sunday mornings. So why did I go to America for two and a half weeks? I went because um, I needed to reflect and be refreshed. It's been an incredibly busy time for us as a church, as you know, all the different things that have happened. I also wanted to expand. I want to expand my thinking. I want to expand my heart. I want to expand my capacity because I believe that the God is going to do so much amazing stuff through this church. Anyone else believe that? And he's already doing incredible things. But I know that as a leader, if I'm not growing, then we're in trouble. And all of us actually need to grow and expand. So what did I do? Um, I went with a friend of mine, Lee, who's here this morning. He's one of the elders in the church and also one of the worship leaders. We spent the first half of the trip together um, traveling. And then the second half, he came home and I flew on to Texas, which I'll talk about in a moment. But in that, in that, that whole experience, um, we traveled a lot, uh, four flights. Um, we drove around 1,400 miles in four days, which is a lot. We went through five states, seven cities, five churches, two conferences, conferences, met numerous amazing people and ate way too many unhealthy meals. Okay, so let me be honest about that. I received a lot. I uh, 16 talks that I listened to. I read three books while I was away, had countless conversations with leaders over meals. It was busy. Okay, we did a lot over that time. But I experienced a lot as well. And uh, some of the churches that we went to, you know, most churches in the USA, 90 odd percent are under 150 people. So most of them are small. But for the other kind of 10% of these mega churches that you get to go to in America, I call them Disneyland churches, okay? Because they're just like off the charts in so many ways. And, and there's a, maybe a photograph coming up, I don't know yet. So this is, the, um, this is the foyer, like the atrium, at one of the campus churches. So this is a plant from North Point. North Point in Atlanta is a church of around 30,000 people. And I've been to North Point before, but I thought I'd go to one of the campus churches because they're, they're multi-site. Last time I went, we weren't multi-site, but now we are. So this is like their Hagley, all right, or their Rowley. The only difference is there's 5,000 people that go to that church. 
And, and they have 45 paid members of staff. So it's like a Disneyland church. But it was absolutely amazing. As well as that, we went to Passion City Church, which is uh, where Louis Giglio is the, the pastor, if you know Louis Giglio. Chris Tomlin. A lot of the worship songs that we sing are written out of that church in downtown Atlanta. An amazing church. And then in Texas, I went to this church called New Hope, which is a, a church much more similar to us. It's bigger, bigger than us. It's like 1,500 people, but it's so similar to us. They planted a church in a school four miles away a year ago. Sound familiar? They're a church of, they're a community of 60,000 people. And it's kind of like, these are my people. Do you know what I mean? Like we can relate uh, to these guys. And that's uh, Scott and Hillary, who I stayed with when I was in Texas for that week. So my highlights of the trip really were some of the amazing places that I went to. Uh, Not just churches. If you go to the next one, Adam, you can go to the next one, not me. That's it. So this church is Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, it's great when me and Lee turned up and people said, where are you from? And we said, Birmingham. And they went, really? And uh, the funny thing is about when you go to the States, everyone comes up to me, up to you and says, I love your accent. I'm, I'm a brummy, all right? Our accent is the most hated accent in the, in the country, but you love our accent, okay? And someone seriously said, at four o'clock, do you need to have tea? I said, only the Queen does that, okay? You've been watching way too much Crown, okay? Way too much of the Crown. But this was an amazing church of around 30,000 people, incredible churches. But it wasn't just the churches that we went to which made an impact. It was some of the places. And um, so Selma and Montgomery, these are two incredibly important places in the history of the civil rights movement, okay? It was 50 years since Martin Luther King was assassinated. And I'm very interested in, in American history, civil war, and, and the civil rights as well. So we kind of went on a bit of a pilgrimage, which I'll talk to you about in a moment. But it wasn't the places that really impacted me. Churches or cities or anything like that. It was the people that we met, which were mind-blowing. So th- this fella here uh, has become a really good friend of mine. This is Festo from Tanzania. When I went to Texas, I was staying with Scott and Hillary. You saw that couple there that I didn't know. We were staying in their house, and their house is amazing, okay? It's an incredibly big house, very posh, all of that. And, and this guy, um, so basically the church, New Hope, they organized this conference. There was around 200 people there, so it was quite small, very relational. And they connect with people all around the world and bring them together for this conference of relationship. And one of the organizations is 10,000 Homes in South Africa, that we partner with, and those guys are good friends of ours. So I was there in that capacity. And uh, Festo, who you saw up on the screen there, is from Tanzania. And they got him to come out there for the conference. He'd never been on a plane in his life. He'd never been outside of Africa. He drove 10 hours from his home. He lives in the foothills of Mount Kilimanjaro. And he drove 10 hours to Dar es Salaam, then caught a nine-hour flight to Amsterdam, a seven-hour flight to Detroit, and a three-hour flight to Dallas. He started on Sunday morning. He arrived with us on Tuesday evening. And he walked into this incredible house where Scott, the guy, the guy in the house, is very techno, and he's got Alexa, and he's got like, you know, the tap is, is like, it's just like you wave your hand and the water comes out. And all this kind of really, really crazy stuff. For me, it was crazy. For this guy from Tanzania who's never been outside of Africa, it was like a complete different world. And yet what God did in those few days was he knit our hearts together. And he sends me messages every day, calls me his brother, you know. And and that's because we are in the body of Christ, aren't we? You can meet somebody from a different continent in a completely different culture and you can become one. That's the beauty of the church. 
And it was things like that, relations like that, which really impacted me. Let me show you another couple of people that we met. This is uh, Swazi and Tuli. Uh, and they, Swazi works for 10,000 Homes. Tuli is the pastor's wife from the church in Mbonaswini in South Africa. We're sending a team there. Uh, in the summer to work with these guys. We've sent teams before. Some of you have been. So they're amazing guys. The next one. This is Jeremy and Jen who are from Texas who have been friends of mine for over 12 years and uh, they head up the Project 10,000 Homes which we partner with. And the next one. Now these guys are interesting. These guys are from an organisation called Cowboys with a Mission. Come on. And they are only in America. They are obviously, they are genuine Genuine cowboys. They rope steers. Um, you know, they, they drive cattle and they, are, they do cowboy church and they are passionate about sharing faith with cowboys. That's a whole subculture and that's what they do. Amazing guys. And then I'll do one more. And then this lady here, she's just one, she's one of the, not just, she's one of the volunteers at the Church of the Highlands. A thousand people gave up two days annual leave to come and serve us. For those two days, a thousand people just took two days off work to come and serve. She was one of them. And after every session, you'd get popcorn or you'd get donuts or you'd get cookies, which is why everyone in America is so big. <laughs> didn't, I didn't say that. But it, but it was just amazing. Their whole hospitality and the whole culture was incredible. So what, what, did, what did God say to me? What did God say to me during this time? There are, a couple of, there are lots of things, but the things I want to share with you this morning, it, the first thing is this. I really believe God said, we are doing so well. Like often I go to these kind of things and you can go to churches which are way bigger than you and, and, you know, and all of this and you can come back and you can think, oh God, you know, we haven't got that and, and we're not great at that. But I came back thinking, God, you've been so good. And the way that you guys as a church have embraced the change that's gone on, the way we've gone multi-site, the way we've changed the name, the way we want to reach people who are not yet part of the kingdom of God, the, the way you've embraced all that has been incredible. And God said to me, you're doing so well, which was really encouraging. But he also said, but we're also on the cusp of moving from good to great. We're on the cusp of moving from good to great. And good to great isn't about getting bigger because bigger isn't always better. I realise that in America. Bigger isn't always better. But going from good to great is about a whole load of things. And I felt God speak to me from this verse, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And I asked God, God, what is the time and what is the season for us as a church? And these are three things I want to throw out at you, okay? And there's lots, but these are three big ones. Firstly, I believe God said this. There is a time to go for it. Amen. There's a time to go for it, not to keep waiting for the lights to turn green, but to go for it because they already are green. And I wonder how many of us in our lives, and I'm realising as I'm getting older, life is so short and it moves so fast and we've got to embrace life and we've got to step in to what God wants to do and just go for it. The Bible says in Joshua 18 verse 3, So Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? In other words, God's, God's saying, I've given you this stuff. How long are you going to wait or are you going to go for it? Are you going to step in or are you going to wait? You ever been at the traffic lights and, and they're red and then they turn green and you don't realise they turn green? What happens? The guy behind you, what does he do? Yeah. And you're usually that guy, aren't you, doing that for someone else? Because you're waiting for them to turn and they already have. Could it be for you as an individual? 
Could it be that God has already turned the light green and you're waiting? Now is the time. There is a time to go for it, to step into it, to believe God and to move forward. The second thing, I want to miss those other verses out, um, Adam. The second thing is, and this is a big one, there's a time to cross a bridge. There's a time to cross a bridge. And I want to open up a really difficult subject this morning, which I don't think I've ever spoken about, which I should have done, and I haven't, and I'm going to this morning. Um, this, this picture here, um, that's the birthplace of Martin Luther King in Atlanta. And uh, 50 years ago, just over 50 years ago, Martin Luther King was assassinated in 1968. And he was born here. He was born to a pastor, parent, uh, father, and born, born in, in, and just down the street here is the church that his dad preached at and the Martin Luther King preached at. And he would have been a pastor and a preacher. And he was a pastor and a preacher. But the civil rights uh, movement and equality and all of the racism in the South, in America at the time, so gripped his heart. Uh, and when we were there, and we were in the Deep South, so we were in Alabama and Georgia and Mississippi and Louisiana and Texas. And this is the Deep South where a lot of these things happen, a lot of the things that you see on movies. And it became an incredibly powerful moment in the conference in Birmingham uh, when they addressed this issue. And in that context, it just really, really hit me what an important subject this really is. And you know, I don't know about you, but I think in our culture, we've never been as divided as we seem to be right now. Black and white, male and female, gay or straight, and politics don't even start me on politics. You haven't started me. I've started myself. Here we go. Because actually, what's happening with politics, and I'm seeing it on social media, and many people, including Christians, including some of us here, are getting lulled and drawn into this polarised kind of approach to life. Everybody who votes that way is that. Everybody who votes that way is that. That's not how we're meant to be, guys. You know, in the gym that I go to over the road, I'm friendly with many of the people there in the gym now. Some have faith and some are not. And, and one of the, the ladies that's a friend of mine, uh, become a friend of mine, she, she's a local counsellor. And uh, she's a Christian who goes to another church. And we were on the treadmill the other, the other week. And she said to me, do you know what? Someone stopped me after church and said, how can you be a, and said what the party political, uh, what the party was. How can you be a that and be, and be a Christian? That's tragic. That's tragic that somebody says, how can you vote that way and be a Christian? Because what we've done is we've polarised people and we've said, you're in that group and all of you are that. And I'm in this group and all of us are this. We've got to be bigger than that, haven't we? There's no way to live our life. That's no way to be cultural and to, and to be prophetic to our culture. You see, um, let, 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 me, let me show you this. This is nothing from, from the conference. This is something different. No, sorry, that one. That's the one. This is a photo, and uh, this is called kintsugi, which is a Japanese art form where broken pieces of pottery are brought back together, and the value is greater after the breaking and the restoring of what it was before. And I think there's a prophetic word in here, isn't that for us? When what's fractured, because the devil wants to fracture us, the enemy wants to fracture us, whether it's on racial lines or on sexuality lines or on political lines, he wants to fracture and break us. But when we come together and say, no, we're not going to do that, but actually we're stronger together, I think that becomes valuable and beautiful and prophetic. The devil's design is to fragment. God's design is always to restore and to reunite. Nowhere is this more powerful and painful than when it comes to race and the colour of our skin. And I want to talk about this. 
Um, at the conference, uh, one of the guys, an African-American called Miles McPherson, who's the pastor of the, the Rock Church in San Diego, incredible communicator. He did a whole session on this, which so impacted us that I want to share some of what he shared. He said this, we are 99% genetically the same colour. And we are 100% all made in the image of God. Can I hear an amen? Isn't that true? We are 100% all made in the image of God and we are 99% genetically all the same colour. But what we do is we do something that they call grouping. And what we do is that we sort people into groups like me and other groups not like me. And then what we do, and we do it on, on gender, on colour of your skin, on culture, on background, on what football team you support. Come on, the mighty Villa, 1-0 up. We're going to get there. And we do all this kind of stuff. And we put us in or out in groups. And then we give preferential treatment to our in-group. And we give less preferential treatment to our out-group. So if you're in, we're going to be more comfortable with you. We're going to give you more grace. We're going to give you more benefit of the doubt. But if you're in our out-group, We're going to be less comfortable with you. We're going to give you less grace and less benefit of the doubt. But in Jesus' name, there's a time to cross a bridge. To cross a bridge and to recognise we are all made in the image of God. And God has a dream, I believe, for the church. I'm getting Martin Luther King on you now, aren't I? God has a dream for the church where we are one. With lots of different colours and lots of different backgrounds and lots of different perspectives. And we've crossed the bridge You see what happened for Martin Luther King in that bridge in Selma. I don't know whether I'm on the photographs or whether I've gone all of my notes now, haven't I? Have you got that photograph of the Selma Bridge, Adam? Just find that photo of the Selma Bridge. That photo there. Me and Lee stood there. If you know the film, anyone seen the movie Selma? Incredible, incredible movie. Watch it. It is incredible. In 1965, they stood on that bridge there and, and, and they marched for civil rights. And, and someone was killed, and there was all kinds of stuff. And it was that moment when they marched from the, the bridge at Selma uh, to uh, Montgomery, which is the state capital um, of Alabama at the time, which still is. And it was that moment, it became iconic in the nation, and Lyndon Johnson, the president, um, uh, ended up um, giving the vote to the African-American. It was massive, massive in the history of the country. And we stood and we prayed on that bridge for America, and we stood and we prayed on that bridge for our country as well. Because we're getting divided and we need to come together. And I want to share some things. This this is how how he said how we can do this. And these are four things I want to share with you. Firstly, rename everybody you see as your brother or sister. Rename everybody you see as your brother or sister. The Bible says in 1 John 4, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. So if I rename you as my brother and sister, so Festo is my brother in Christ. And now he's black and he's Tanzanian. I don't hate him, I love him. Because we've renamed each other. Now my in-group and his in-group, they're different, but we're renaming each other. That's so, so important. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Guys, we've got to rename each other as our brother and sister. Secondly, give your in-group love to your out-group. Give your in-love group, in-group love to your out-group. What does that mean? Walk across a room. Sit next to someone 
you don't normally sit next to. Talk to somebody you don't normally talk to who maybe doesn't look like you. And one of the things he challenged us, which challenged me so much, he said, when was the last time you had somebody round your house for a meal who wasn't the same diversity as you, wasn't the same colour as you? That's, that's, that's important, isn't it? Because if, if not, what we, we don't realise, we don't realise how we are wired with our optics. We don't realise what life is like. When you're always white, you don't realise what it's like if you're not white. And so last year, um, some of you know I've told this story, me and Alison went on holiday to Jamaica, had an amazing time and we met this couple in the hotel, older couple, Jamaican couple, um, who, who were there on holiday but were looking to retire to Jamaica. And as we were chatting and getting to know them, we realised they were Christians. And I said to them, hey, are you, uh, are you going to church while you're here? And they said, yeah, yeah, we're going to go Sunday. I said, could we come with you? So we got in the taxi with them and we drove 30 minutes into the interior of Jamaica, right into this village. And we ended up in a church for three and a half hours for one service, which hadn't finished when we left. Okay. And there were 300 people in there. And me and Alison were the only white people in there. All of a sudden, we were the out group. And let me tell you, it feels really different when you're the out group, doesn't it? We've got, we got to look at our eyes. We've got to look at how we see each other. We just don't see it. We say, oh, oh I'm colorblind. That's offensive when you say you're colorblind. You're not recognizing somebody of a different color than yourself. We don't say we're colorblind. That's a whole different, different thing. But we're going to give our in-group love to our out-group. One of the other guys that was speaking at the conference, a guy called Carl Lentz, is the, uh, the leader of Hillsong, Amer uh, New York. Incredible guy. He said this, proximity creates passion, distance creates distortion. Proximity creates passion, distance creates distortion. So could we rename everybody? Rename each other as our brother and sister. Could we give our in-group love to our out-group? Thirdly, acknowledge your brother or sister's colour. Acknowledge that. The guy said this, and he said this, not me, and he's African-American. He said, why is it that if you get a tan on the beach, it's beautiful, but if you get a tan in the womb, it's criminal or inferior? That was so powerful, spoken out in, in, the, south, in the southern states of America. It's powerful anywhere, isn't it? Why is it that you get a tan on the beach, it's beautiful, you get a tan in the womb, it's seen as criminal or inferior? Not in Jesus' name, is it? The devil says... You have two options, white or coloured. God says there's another option. I made you all coloured. I made you all coloured. And then he said this, give your heart to those not like you. Give your heart to those not like you. And he told this story of, um, of a kid that's out in the woods hunting America. And, uh, and he sees a monster coming through the woods and he's about to lift his gun and shoot and he recognises it's not a monster, it's his brother. And how often we see other people as a threat when actually they're a friend. And guys, can I just say, if you are from another culture, if you weren't born here, if you don't consider yourself to be white British, I want you to know you are really welcome here. We are glad you're here. We love it that you're here. And we not only want you to be here, we want you to work with us and journey with us and love with us and relate with us and do life with us. We want to get better at this. I want this church to get better at this whole deal. Can I just say something really honest and, and passionate? I want the church to not, the stage to not be so white. 
I do. I really want the stage to not be so white, but it is. Listen, if you play or sing, you know, and you're from a different perspective and different background, please come and talk to us. It's not because we want it all to be white. It just is. Nobody else is going to come forward. We want our serving team not to be so white. We want our leadership team not to be so white. Am I getting through? But you've got to help us with it. You've got to help us with it, okay? Amen? Help us with it. Because there's time to cross a bridge. We've got to cross a bridge. And the last thing I want to say, I've run out of time again. There's a time to dig a little deeper. I really felt God speak to me about this. There's a time to dig a little deeper. This verse in 2 Kings 3.16, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. And the context of that verse is that the prophet is saying that God is going to pour out his glory and his power on the land. How many of you want God's glory and power, don't we? We want to see God come. He says, but you've got to dig some ditches. I'm going to pour the rain, but you've got to dig some ditches. I'm going to do my bit, God says, but you've got to do your bit. You've got to dig a little deeper. So could we dig a little deeper into God? And could we dig a little deeper into relationship? You know, one of the things that, that I, I went thinking and, and praying and reading about was small groups. You know, and, and as I've seen these huge churches in America, I was really blown away. We, we, had, we had dinner with one leader. We met a leader in a church, Brownsbridge Church, and 5,000 people. And he said, what are you doing tonight? We said, nothing. He said, come and have dinner with me and my wife. And so we did. And we, and we sat in their house and had dinner with them and, and listened to him talk about how passionate they are about small groups. And the whole church is around 30,000 people, but they're all made up of small units. And I thought, that's got to be the way forward because we're never going to change the world by bigger meetings. We're only going to change the world by real relationship. And we're only going to do life through real relationship. So can we dig a little deeper into relationship. And if you're a life group leader, tonight we're meeting at 7.30 and you're going to meet Nev and Elizabeth who are the new associate pastors who are joining the team and they're going to be heading up small groups across uh, all our locations. So you're going to meet them tonight if you're a life group leader. So can we dig a little deeper into relationship? Can we dig a little deeper into sharing our faith? On the way back, I sat on this plane uh, from Detroit uh, to, to, to Heathrow, which is about a seven hour flight overnight. So I thought, I'm going to have something to eat, then I'm going to sleep. But when I'm on a plane, I, I, I've made it my personal thing to try and ask God and to pray and to share my faith, okay? It's, it's a captive audience, so we'll see how it goes. It doesn't always work. So, so I shared, I'm sitting next to this guy, he's in his 30s, and I said, hey, so what, what, what are you doing going to the UK? Um, I said, have you been to the UK before? He said, I've never been before, never been on an international trip before, uh, you know, out of the US. That's really interesting. So why are you going to the UK? And he said, um, I'm going to a conference I said, oh, wow, that's really interesting. What conference? And he said, I'm going to a leadership conference. And he looked really nervous. And I'm thinking, this guy's a Christian. And he sat next to a guy and he's thinking, I'm going to share my faith with this guy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And he's been praying to share his faith with someone. And he sat there and this bloke from England, who's obviously not a Christian, has sat right by him. And, and so, so I said, oh, really, a leadership conference? That's interesting. What leadership conference? And then he said, and he was really nervous, he said, you might not have heard of it. It's called Alpha. It's brilliant. In my head, for a moment, I'm like, go on. You could have some real fun here. So what's Alpha? What's all that about? But I didn't do that. I didn't do that, okay? I came clean, said who I was. For the next six hours, we talked on the plane. And so we never kind of got any sleep. But it was a great connection. And um, that whole thing of just looking for opportunities to share your faith is huge. 
D.L. Moody was an American evangelist. And I found this out this week. I didn't know this. He spoke in front of thousands. Thousands and thousands of people became Christians through his preaching. But he said to God, I want a hundred people I know to come to faith through my life. And he prayed for them by name. And he knew them by name. By the time he died, 96 of them had become Christians. Listen to this. At his funeral, the other four gave their lives to Jesus. That blew me away. Isn't that amazing? I think, wow, God, could we dig a little deeper? Could we dig a little deeper with personal evangelism? Could we dig a little deeper with serving? With serving. Can we go back to, uh, to Brownsbridge Church, if we can find that, um, Adam? You're doing an amazing job, mate. This is Adam's first time doing the tech here at the back, and he's got a really complicated one with me. He's doing a phenomenal job. Let's give it up for Adam. Thank you, mate. Yeah, keep, keep, keep going forward, matey. Keep going. Another picture. Yeah, another one. No, this is later on than that. It's where it says Dream Central. It's around about there. Okay, forget it. Forget it. Don't worry about it. So at, at, at this one church we went to, um, they were recruiting people for the children's ministry, okay? And um, as they were recruiting for the children's ministry, me and Lee thought, we'll jump in and we'll get recruited as well and we'll see how they do it. And as we followed them around, I was absolutely amazed because they said, if you sign up for kids' work or youth work, we want you to commit to every single week, unless you're on holiday. And the reason we want you to do that is that we're going to say to parents, you partner with us and you put your kid or your child in the kids or the youth ministry every single week and our volunteers will build a relationship with them and they will love them and get alongside them and help them follow Jesus. They'll come to their sporting events. They'll come to their prom with you as parents. They'll partner with you to see your kids follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. And those volunteers in their hundreds do it. Now those guys work harder than we do, have less vacation than we do, and yet there's a passion. And I said to the leader, Tim, when we were at his house, how do you do this? This is like off the charts. He said, I don't really know. Something God is doing here has gripped people's hearts and they want to serve like that. And I came back thinking, we've got some incredible volunteers in this church, but could we dig a little deeper for people to meet and follow Jesus? for the rest of their lives. What an incredible challenge. We're going we're gonna to finish. I've run out of time. Why don't we stand together for a moment? I hope that hasn't been Leon and his holiday photographs. <laughs> I hope you heard my heart behind that. And we're not going to sing a song as we finish, which is very radical, I know, but whoo, a new day. Uh, but what we are going to do is, if you're a guest this morning and you're a visitor here, you may not even be a Christian, and that's fine. We love it that you're here. Sorry it's been a little bit in-house. But for the rest of you, and especially for those of you that this is part of your church or you're thinking it could be, I want you just to do something with me as we pray. Would you just put your hands out for a moment? Because I want us just to be open. There's a time. There's a time. There's a time to go for it. Jesus, I want to pray that we as individuals and as a church would not wait at the lights while they're already on green, but we would go for it. And God, I pray that we with our hands open, would be the people who cross a bridge. May this church not be known for its buildings or for its music or for its media or for any of that. May this church be known by the way that we love one another. May this church be known by the way that we embrace difference 
and diversity. May this church be known by the way that we love. So God, may we be people with open hands who cross a bridge and may we be people with open hands who dig a little deeper so that we could see you pour out your spirit and your glory and that you would flood this area with the power of your spirit and we would see hundreds and hundreds of people in a relationship with you. God, could we be those people, we pray. And everyone prayed. Amen. Amen. Guys, God bless you. Thank you for being with us so much. Uh, Team coffee at the back. Uh, if you want to sign up for anything, baptism, the Connect Meal, partnership evening, all of that stuff is in the atrium. We will see you next week. Bless you.